Thank you. Come on, that's more than enough for me. But if you're grateful for Jesus, let's give him a loud standing ovation. Thank you. Come on, I feel like we're going to stand and we're going to shout for someone. It's Jesus. Amen. Let me ask you to remain standing just for a few more seconds. What an incredible opportunity. What an incredible privilege. consider this an absolute honor but really what makes everything that's about to happen so key really is honor I know there are already some kind words said about me and if you've ever been in a service where there's a guest speaker you could almost predict oh here we go they're about to say some nice words about our pastor and then there's always someone there going but it's not really about our pastor or Chris it's about Jesus and you might be thinking that and if you think that way you're, you're right except you're wrong because honor is actually what's going to catapult us into everything it is that God has for us and in actuality honor has nothing to do with me or your pastors but it has everything to do with God and you it's just, it's just a fact theology teaches us that when I make much of a man or a woman of God what I'm saying is God I agree with your choice and when you come into agreement with the choices of God he extracts his glory from that so when I, when I get in front of you and I say, man, I love your pastors. When I say I think the world of Pastor Jesse, I love getting on the phone with him. I love hearing from him. I love being encouraged by him, challenged by him. I think it takes a special type of leader to lead in this area and to see what you guys are doing. It just speaks to the favor that is on your pastor's lives. I think they're easy to celebrate. But from everything that I just said to you, the truth is when we say we thank God for them and we, we put our hands together for your pastors, God goes, yep, because that was my choice. That was my choice for this church. That was my choice for this church. I can't think of a better choice for this church than the pastors you have, and Pastor Jesse and Lauren. Come on, can we thank God for them right now? Thank you. Honestly, thank you. I, I think it's absolutely incredible. Here we are just worshiping last night I gotta be honest with you guys I, I do this every weekend and I've been to a lot of Saturday night services I don't mind preaching on a Saturday night but sometimes it's tough not here this Saturday night service was on fire and it just speaks to what God is doing on spring break by the way in the middle of spring break a Saturday night service is on fire I'm not sure you know what you got I'm just being honest with you it's, and maybe you do maybe you do can we just agree it's pretty special Come on, let's just thank God one more time for the pastors and the leadership. Amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and for, the one, for the one that's just hoping that I would stop belaboring this point. All right, move on. Let's get to the preaching. Let me help you out real quick. Let me help you out because I don't want you to miss out on what's, what could happen for you. Simply because you refuse maybe to honor or you're bothered by it. That's good. It's, it's good to deal with those emotions as a believer. The Bible says that when Jesus was in his own hometown, he could not perform any miracles because of the lack of faith and the lack of honor. That means somebody showed up to the house where Jesus was and did not get what they needed because of pride. I don't know about you, 
but I don't have the luxury of flying home the same way I came. If Jesus is in the house, I want everything it is he has for me. If there's blessing, I want it. If there's a miracle, I want it. If there's provision, I want it. And all you're telling me I got to do is worship Jesus, that's easy. Come on, take about 30 seconds right now, and let's praise God for Jesus. Let's, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for eternity. Thank you for everything it is that you've done for us. Thank you, God. Thank you for not treating me as my sins deserve. Thank you for every blessing I have in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go on ahead and grab a seat. Grab a seat. Yeah. I am born and raised Queens, New York. 39 years old, and I've been in ministry all of my adult life. I grew up in church as a child, as a pastor's kid. And here I am in this season of my life traveling full time. See, at one point I was actually doing youth young adult ministry through a ministry called Misfit NYC in New York. Then I was an executive pastor and then I was even a senior pastor. But in this season of my life, I have the beautiful opportunity of traveling, traveling the world, preaching and teaching the gospel. In fact, I'm a, a teaching pastor for five churches around the country. Which simply means uh, I fly in for them four or five times a year teaching and preaching for them. And then in between those dates, um, I'm in incredible places like this. And what an absolute joy and privilege it is that I get to, I get to do this. I want to I show you a picture of my family because I know we just met. But I'm asking for a favor, okay? L l look at this beautiful family. Man. That, that young, yeah, that, I I'm proud of them. That young lady on my lap, her name is Chloe. She's absolutely amazing. She loves Jesus. She is the life of the party always. If she was here right now, she'd be talking to you uh, because she's great at talking. And, and she just turned 13 years old. I'm not, I'm not celebrating that because I, I, I want her to be a baby, if I'm being honest. Uh, but she's growing up and she's amazing. And that's my son, Dylan. And last Sunday, he turned 16 years old. And he's an athlete and he loves Jesus. And, and you know, my prayer... My prayer, my wife's prayer and I, since we did youth and young adult ministry for well over a decade, God, if when our kids become teenagers, would you just bless them? Would you just protect them? I, I know I don't get any special favor more than all the other parents. I'm just saying for all the years and time that we gave with teenagers, would you take care of my teenagers? And I'm just so grateful that my teenagers love Jesus. I absolutely am. And I, I credit a good amount of their, their amazingness uh, to that woman on my shoulder. Her name is Jairus. Everybody say Jairus. I'm just prepping you because you might meet her one day. And most people botch up her name. Okay. They, they say Jaira. They say Jehovah. And they're like, no, those are God. Okay. Her name is Jairus. Uh, people mess up her name so much that when we go to Starbucks, she just lies. And she says Lisa because she doesn't want the headache. <laughs> <laughs> but she's absolutely incredible. She is, the, she is my best friend. And we actually uh, will be celebrating 18 years of marriage this year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're excited. And we dated five years before that. And I, like I said, I'm 39. So at this point in our lives, we've been together longer than we've been without each other. I say all that to say this. If you ever remember us beyond this moment, would you pray? 
just, just a quick prayer. God, just protect them, keep them. Just, just pray because in this season of traveling every week, every week, every, I'm, just, I'm just saying, God, I need all the prayer. We need all the provision. We need all the protection. Just put a hedge of protection around my children as they're home. Just, just keep them because how many of you know that I'm not just doing this? We're doing this, and we all play different roles. And I promise, I promise, I follow the church on social media. I talk to your pastors often. I promise every time I think of you, I'll pray for you. I promise. Good deal? Okay. If you have your Bibles, I want to read to you uh, from 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 through 9. Now, if you don't have your Bibles, that's more than okay. We're going to put up the scripture on the screen. But can I challenge you to take notes? Let, let, let me encourage you to take notes. Go to the memo section of your smartphone, or if you're old school with it, put out a piece of paper and pen. And if you don't have any of that, just tear a piece of your shirt, draw some blood, and, and take some notes. I just think the best thing we could ever do is take notes. I'm being honest with you. I, I think the best thing we could ever do is take notes because when the Holy Spirit speaks, I want you to be able to remember what it is that he said to you. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3 through 9. It's a pretty powerful moment in the Bible. It says this. Now, there were four men with leprosy. There were four men with, with leprosy. And this is important to note because I love that the Bible does not call them lepers. They were men who had leprosy, which means that their ailment did not overtake their identity. And that's a whole word right there because there are people that allow what they're dealing with to become who they are. And that's not true. You are not what you are dealing with. You are still a man. You are still a woman of God. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, they're, they're having a conversation. They say, why stay here until we die? Which sounds like an odd statement, but let me tell you what's happening real quick. There is a famine in the land. And in normal circumstances, lepers in those days were marginalized. They were marginalized to a certain section of the city. And as a result, they would have to fend for themselves. And they had to be very careful because they were very easy to kill. They hardly had food when food was flowing. So in a famine, imagine how difficult it would be for them to get food. So they have this conversation. They're assessing their situation, they're looking around, they go, man, why, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. <laughs> so let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. In other words, let's go over to our enemies is what they're saying. And I love this next part. Look, look at this. They say, if they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. Come on, how good is that? If they kill us, of course you die. That's how killing works. <laughs> it goes on to say, at dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. And when they reached the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents, their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, and ate and drank. Can you imagine what's going through their minds, by the way? Because they think they're, they're possibly going to be taken in as prisoners, or, or if they get killed, then they'll die. That's what they're thinking their options are. They walk in, there's no one there. In the middle of a famine, they have abundance. 
The least likely candidates, by the way. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, ate and drank. Then they took silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Let's go at once and let's share with the very people that marginalized us and could care less about us. Let's go and share with them. That's what they're saying. Skipping on over to New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says this. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Is there anybody in the room that says, man, I love God? Come on, if you love God, can you make some noise? Beautiful. So for all of you that love God, here's the promise for you. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind can concoct on their own. I want to take the next few moments and I want to preach to you from this idea. We've got somewhere to go. If you're taking notes, go on ahead and write that down. We've got somewhere to go. If you're not taking notes, take notes. We've got somewhere to go. Let's pray one more time. Holy Spirit, speak. Amen. Come on, short and sweet. You know those prayers work too, right? I promise you, you should adapt that. Your holidays will go way better, you know. Oh, don't let that dinner get cold. Just bless the Lord. Amen. Some people be talking too much. Can I get an amen on that one Thanksgiving? It's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Somebody's like, man, you're laughing too hard. I prayed. Anyway, <laughs> how many here would not mind a vacation? Come on, let's be honest. You would not mind. I love, I love vacation. And as I was preparing as I was preparing for this moment, I was thinking about this one place that my wife and I love to go. We're, we're regulars at this one vacation spot. And this one year we were going, we were going for two weeks. We were going for two weeks, and we were excited because we were going to be in the pool. We were going to hang out in the sun. We were going to eat. Calories don't count on vacation. So we were just going to enjoy it all. We were also a little bit extra excited because for the second week, two of our friends were going to meet us to hang out with us. Now, I remember on the day that our friends were going to fly out, we got a phone call from one of them, and this friend had never left the country before. And she started to share all of her concerns. She started to share all her words. She's like, I don't know if I should come because I really don't know what to expect. I don't, I don't know what to expect, and I've heard rumors, and I'm not sure it's safe there, and I don't really know what's going to happen. I think I'd rather stay put. And what's amazing is I'm already there. And I'm on the phone with her, and I'm looking around and going, man, everything that you think is not here. I, I don't see any evidence of anything that you're talking about. I'm, I'm here right now, and I hear what you're saying. I'm not negating what you're saying, but I'm telling you where I'm at looks nothing like what you are describing. So we encouraged them to get on the plane. Why? Because we did not want them to miss out what was waiting for them. 
it is my assignment today to encourage you under the authority of Jesus Christ to understand and know that he has so much planned for you for your marriage, for your family, for your business, for your university, for your school, for your future. He says, I want you to know, son and daughter, what I have for you. I'm going to try to describe it to you, but really there's nothing else to compare it to because simply no eye has seen it, no ear has heard it, and no human mind has thought of it before. But if you trust me, that will be your result. And some of you are stricken by fear in stepping out and moving into what it is that God has for you. But the Holy Spirit is saying, son, daughter, we have somewhere to go. We have, we have somewhere to go. And I know you have concerns. I know you have worries. But here's the good news. I'm not only with you right now. I'm already in your future. And I am telling you, I am beckoning you to come to me. It is good. It is strong. It is powerful. It is joyous. They're smiling in the future. There's dancing in the future. There's prosperity in the future. There's healing in the future. It is so much better than you think. However, you are going to have to move in order to get there because it's not where you think it is. It's ahead of you. See, today I want to look at these these four men who happen to have leprosy, because although they are physically ill, spiritually they're strong. And they are incredible examples on how we ought to lead and live in this day and age. They're assessing the situation and they're looking around and going, we got a famine around us. I think it's fair to say in 2023, looking around at our world and go, man, it just seems like there's a whole lot of starving people. There's a whole lot of dying people, man, and they don't even know they're dying. They don't even know they're in the middle of a famine. They, they are choosing things that they think they need. They are choosing identities that they think that they've understood. They're, they're, they're looking for things, and it's at the bottom of a bottle, and they're never satisfied. And we have more addicts. We have more suicidal ideations. We have more people living on the edge than ever before. If I'm being honest, if we're having a conversation, is not perfect people. But it's people that could assess our world and go, this ain't it, man. This, 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 ain't, this ain't it. We, we've got somewhere to go. And I don't know about you, but I want everything it is that God has for me. I want, I want everything it is that God has for me. If you're taking notes, write this down. We've got somewhere to go, and it ain't here. I, I'm not talking about your physical location. I want to talk to you about your spiritual location because I think it is very easy to become comfortable where we currently are. But comfortability is, is, is so often not a good indicator of what's right. It is easy to become comfortable in the wrong situation. I wrote it down this way. Complacency kills, faith leads. 
Complacency kills faith leads. Husbands, if you're hearing this, this is a word for you. Complacency kills, but faith leads. Wives, if you're hearing this, I want you to write that down. Complacency kills, faith leads. Students, if you're hearing this, understand this lesson now. Complacency kills, faith leads. As I listen to this conversation of these four men who happen to have leprosy, they're assessing their situation, and they go, if we stay here, we die. Because they understand, although they are where they already are, and they have all the setup of where they are, they're looking at it going, this is not enough. There has to be more. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I am looking for people that understand that our God goes from glory to glory to glory. I never want you to get comfortable where you're at. I want you to know that I am the God of more. He's the God that will do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask, think, or imagine. It is one thing to quote that. It is another thing to operate in that. Because there are a whole lot of complacent Christians. They, they are satisfied with showing up to church on a Sunday, going on with their life, repeat, repeat, repeat. And they think it's good like that until the day they go. And I'm telling you, that's not it. That's not it. I read this quote the other day. Complacency is a sword of two edges. One edge kills hard-earned success while the other end stops future glories. Man, complacency is a murderer and a barrier. It is a murderer and a barrier. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you when it comes to your marriage. Men, you need to be leading your marriage. It is not enough, hear me, that we committed by saying I do, got a job that could purchase us a house and then to think that all is left for us to do is come home and our wives do all the cooking and cleaning and our wives raise the children and our wives figure out the vacation because they wouldn't even have a vacation if I didn't put in all the work that I've put in. I am telling you that is a complacent mindset and it will not get you very far. The Bible tells us that as men that we are the royal priest of our home. We are to be leading our our family we are to be leading our marriage we are to be leading our children and I've learned I've learned that there are too many complacent men because they're actually in belief that they've done enough if we are supposed to love our wives the same way God loves the church that means our marriage is not about just supplying our marriage is about surrender Jesus cannot be our savior and surrender not be our lifestyle. I want to challenge you that where you're at, God says, son, daughter, I have more for you. I have, I have more for you. I have, I have more for you. I want you to step out and I want you to step into it. I want you to shatter old mindsets because we got somewhere to go. We, we got somewhere to go. Hear me. It ain't here. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't here. I, I love preaching the word. Preaching on a weekend for a church, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, is one of the highest privileges. You have, you have a gathering of just people from all over, families. There's nothing better than preaching on a Sunday. Now, beyond that, if you were to ask me as a preacher, who are my different groups, the, my different favorite groups to preach to, I would break it down to these three groups, okay? And, and if you're not a part of one of these groups, don't be offended. First, I would say young adults. 
I say young adults only because I did youth ministry for so long. And I would get so many parents upset with me when I was saying things to their kids at 15 and 16, telling me that they're too young and they don't understand that and don't tell them that. But then the moment they become young adults, really, what are they? Legal teenagers. They're, they're legal teenagers, and now their parents want me to tell them all the things that they told me not to tell them when they were 16. They're like, my son is 19, still living at home. Please talk to him about productivity. Please tell him to get up and get a job. Please challenge him on his purity. Please challenge him on on doing something with his life so I love talking to young adults because to be honest you don't you don't have to have a filter when you talk to them so me and I just love talking to young adults it's easier I got all these repressed emotions that I couldn't say to teenagers I take it out on young adults <laughs> secondly women give me a woman's conference any day I love preaching at women's conferences. Are you kidding me? It's the absolute best. Women show up with their Bibles. They show up with their notes. Not only that, they got their best fit on. They got their hair did. Their nails did. They got their makeup on. They're ready to cry it all out, sweat it all out. They're not looking at no clock. They're like, my husband is home with the kids being a dad. Which, side note, when husbands are home with the kids, that's not called babysitting. It's not, it's not babysitting sitting when they're yours, okay? It's called parenting. So the, the, the kids are home with dad, and they're like, I'm not looking to see them anytime soon. So you go on ahead, and you preach that word. And if you say something I like, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to look at my neighbor. I'm going to give the stank face. I love it. I love it. I, I, I love I like, give me, I'm, I'm for real. Women's conference are the absolute best. Men, we got work to do. I'm just being honest with you because men's conferences could be tough. You know what I mean? Like a lot of them showed up like they were sent here by their wife. They're just like, man, I'm just here because I didn't want to argue no more, you know? And worship is always kind of rough, by the way, because for some reason we don't allow the women to participate in worship. But, but when you just have men singing by themselves, it's just, it's a low sound, man. It is a, it is a deep, low sound. I remember I'm preaching at a church, and it was a men's conference, and they had a men's choir. And, and bless their heart, because there was about a thousand men on this stage, and they were just sounding like, Jaira. You are enough. It was like, oh, my goodness. This, we've had enough. <laughs> Please stop, you know. And young adults, women, leaders. I love talking to leaders. I, I, I love talking. And I'm not just talking about church leadership, but anyone that understands that in their lives they are leaders. They, they, they're leaders. So they look, they look at life through the framework of leaders. But specifically in church, when you're talking to church leaders, you get to break some of the rules of sermonizing. There are two rules that I apply every time I preach a sermon. And, and the first rule is this. If you ever plan on preaching, this is a rule that you should know if you're going to preach to a group of people. Assume nothing on your audience. In other words, do not assume that just because you know what you're talking about, they know what you're talking about. If you are going to make a biblical reference, then you are going to have to do your due diligence to take enough moments to give them context of what it is that you're talking about. So if you just say the blood of Jesus and now someone's never been to church before, they're like, what are we actually talking about right now? You got to take your time and you got to break it down. And if you're here and you don't know what I'm talking about, we can talk about it later. But it's not enough to get caught up now. It's actually a good thing. So you assume nothing on your audience. And two, two, 
I can never preach a sermon if I cannot say my sermon in a sentence. If, I've not, if I can't say my sermon in a sentence, then I have not fleshed out my thought enough to get up here and preach to you. And the risk, the risk is that I get up and preach for 40 minutes saying a whole lot of things, but in actuality, I don't say one thing. So what do I do? I have a preaching structure. I have a preaching structure that I use, and I apply it every time. It goes like this. It goes, it goes scripture, text, scripture, title, prayer, introduction, point one, where we currently are, point two, point three, conclusion, call. Scripture, title, prayer, introduction, point one, where we currently are, point two, point three, conclusion, call call. I apply it every time to make sure that we all leave here at least with the same idea. Can you imagine if I stopped right now after this, this long setup and said, all right, just close our Bibles. Let's pray. That's all I got. Amen. See you next week be looking around like that's it why because we're only on point one there's there's more points in front of us there there's still a conclusion to get to friend can I encourage you that you might think that you are at the pinnacle of your problem or your life but let me tell you you are only at a point and there is more in front of you there is more ahead of you and if you quit now you are not going to get the full idea you are not going to get the full understanding of what it is that God has for you and your marriage and your children your family and your future we've got somewhere to go friends and it ain't here it's in front of us it's it's in front of us and the God you serve he is beckoning you to the future he's saying son daughter follow me I go from glory to glory to glory follow me and watch where we end up and let me tell you this way you don't want to be where God was you want to be where God is this is why so many churches die off, by the way, because they get caught up in errors. They get caught up in moments. They, they want the dress to look a certain way. They want the sound to look a certain way. And they don't want the rest of the world to evolve, so they get comfortable in their little bubble. But what I love so much about this church is this is not that church. This is a church that is constantly moving forward. And you know how I know it? Because of the growth. Here's a good principle to understand. When you do not evolve you dissolve. If you do not evolve in your thinking as a man, if you do not evolve in your thinking as a woman, as a, as a believer, in your marriage, as a parent, I promise you, you will be married, but it won't be successful. It won't be joyous. There won't be peace. It won't, it won't, there won't be happiness. Point two, write this down. We got somewhere to go, and it ain't there. It's not over there. These men have a conversation. What do they say to each other? If we go to the city, the famine is there too. The city represents secular ideologies. It represents secular thinking. I wrote it down this way. Secular corrupts, holiness revives. Secular corrupts, holiness revives. 
they're assessing their situation and they're trying to figure out a place of safety. They go, okay, if we stay here, we're going to die. But if we go over there, we're going to die. And this is what I need to say to the believer. You have been a believer for some time. You've been a Christian for some time. And you're thinking, man, COVID was tough. Post-COVID, post life is a little bit different. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Therefore, you, at, you are looking at other places thinking that you are going to find food. But I promise you, what you think, what you think is an area where you'll get substance is actually a famine as well. So let me say it this way. Another religion is not going to help you. It's only going to hurt you. Hollywood cannot help you. Fame cannot help you. A celebrity with, with tens of trillions of followers, followers, although they are talented, does not mean that they could help you when it comes to the future of your well-being, of your peace. Be careful what you are going to and what you are looking to drink from and eat from because I promise you, when you are in a famine, you will make decisions thinking that the food must be better over there. And you start looking outside of what you've known through the word of God. And I promise you, the famine is there too. The famine is there too. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you try to leave, I promise you, you're only, you're only putting yourself and your family in danger for me. I look at my family and I pray over them and I speak life over them. I prophesy over them. Because I know, I know that God has more for us, and I know that I'm the leader of my home. I'm not going to allow anyone else to lead my home. I'm, I'm going to lead my home. Man, we have to lead our homes. The Bible says that without vision, people perish. A husband without vision, a marriage will perish. A father without vision, a family will perish. You have to have vision for where you are going with your family. And I promise you, if you do not lead your family, somebody else will. If you do do not lead your children, somebody else will. Because the enemy has a plan for your children. Hollywood has a plan for your children. Social media has a plan for your children. But for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. No one else is going to lead my wife. No one else is going to lead my children. I'm going to lead us to where we're going. I'm going to lead us to where we're headed. I'm not going to allow anyone else to talk to them about identity. I'm going to allow the word of God to speak to them about identity. I'm not going to allow anyone else to speak to them about sexuality or marriage or purity or holiness or education. I'm going to allow the word of God to lead me and to guide me. And it is only through the word of God which we put our trust fully in. But there is nothing else that has any type of foundation or any other success rate that could tell me I should put my trust in it. If I'm putting my trust in any man, his name is Jesus. For me and my household, we will serve the Lord. If there's somebody in the room that says, I agree with you, why don't you give them a shout? With all due respect to the government, they don't have my, my children's best interest in mind. My family, my responsibility. My family, my responsibility. My family, my responsibility. We got somewhere to go. Listen, it ain't here. And it ain't there. 
as we get to this third point, as we get to this third point, understand that success in the kingdom always starts with surrender. Success in the kingdom always starts in surrender. You want to see restoration? Start off with surrender. Surrender is humility in, uh, rooted in humility. Success in the kingdom is always rooted in surrender. These men, they have a conversation and they think their only option is to surrender to their enemy. Now, because they love God, what ends up happening? They end up getting a result that they could have never expected, but of course they did. Because what was ahead of it, no one could have ever warned them. Why? No eye has seen it, no ear has heard it, no mind has ever thought of it. So what do they say? If we go to our enemy and we surrender, they may spare us or they might kill us. And if they kill us, we die. When you put your faith in Jesus and you say, God, I don't know what the future looks like. I'm not fully aware of it, but I am surrendered and submitted to you. I promise you. I promise you the promise that lays ahead of you. No eye has seen it. No ear has heard it. No human mind has ever concocted it for those who love him. We got somewhere to go that no one has gone yet. We've got somewhere to go where no one has gone yet. I wrote it down this way. Faith lives, faith shares. Faith lives, faith shares. I'll never forget I was preaching in Philadelphia. And after I was done at this leaders conference in Philadelphia, I had to fly to Flowood, Mississippi. Come on, Flowood, Mississippi. You don't get any more Mississippi than Flowood, right? Just Flowood, Mississippi. And, and the guy traveling with me, his name is BJ. And with the irony of this whole story is BJ is actually a flight attendant. He's, he's a flight attendant, which makes this story a little bit funny. Because we had to take three planes to get to Flowood, Mississippi from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And after we finally arrive and we're in our hotel, so we finally arrive and we're in our hotel. I'm sitting on the bed. I got like an hour before we have to get to Saturday night church. BJ has his back towards me and he's staring out the window. And he goes, Pastor Chris, doesn't turn around. Where are we? And I didn't know if he was trying to be deep, you know what I mean? Like in life, you know, as a society. I go, BJ, what do you mean? He goes, where are we? I'm like, bro, we're, we're in a hotel. He's like, I know, but like, like, where is this? And I'm like, bro, you, you took three planes from Philadelphia here. You're a flood attendant. <laughs> And you don't know where we are? How is that even possible? And I love his response. He says, because to me it didn't matter where I was going as long as I was with you. And that's it right there. 
It's, it's, it's that little jewel right there. That's, that's what faith sounds like. That's how, that's how faith operates. God, I don't fully understand all the details. I don't fully understand how it's going to work out. There's a 50-50 chance. There's one possibility that it turns out this way or turns out that way. And let's be honest, if you are a perfectionist, if you are a type A personality, if you are a details person, what I am saying right now is bothering you so much because you don't do anything without planning. You don't do anything without details. I, I get it. I'm, I'm married to that person. My, my wife doesn't commit to anything without details. And yet here we are in this season of our life. It is the, a season we did not expect, a season we did not think we would be in. It's not what we planned for. And yet if I'm being honest, it's, it's, it's the most successful season I've ever been a part of. But man, it takes faith. It's week to week. There's, there's, no, one, there's no one paying me a salary. There's, there's no one that's covering my insurance. We're, we're figuring it all out. And I'm not saying that to look for empathy. I'm saying that for relatability. I, I get it. But at the same time, I wouldn't have it any other way because I'm certain that in this season where I'm headed is good. I can't tell you what it looks like because no one's seen it yet. I can't tell you what it, hear, what it sounds like because I don't recognize those sounds. I, I can't tell you what it's going to be because I can't even imagine it on my own. But what I've learned, hear me, what I've learned is not to limit God because what I thought was one or two options, there's always a third option. God says, I always got more for you, but it's not what you think. I know you think it's either this or that, but in actuality, it's neither. I have more for you if you trust me. And I promise you, if you keep living by faith and you keep putting your hope in Jesus, your mind is going to be blown. But also, hear me, hear me, your mind will be blown because you will not believe how blessed you'll be. You'll be so blessed that you'll realize that you can't just keep this to yourself. And, and, and this is the hope right here. This is, this is the part where Christianity really comes into play. Because here's the truth. Here we are in the middle of a feast. It's 2023, man. And, yo, we got people in church worshiping, and they got the joy of the Lord. You talk to people on the streets in this day and age, they have no clue what you're talking about. The joy of the Lord, what does it actually mean? Here we are in the middle of a feast of a feast and, and there are people starving out there. Do you know that out there people people are still are still becoming addicted to substances? You know that still exists, right? You know there's still people joining gangs? I know that sounds like a 90s thing, but you know that's still happening today, right? You know there are children being sold in the sex trafficking industry? It's all out there. I'm telling you, there's a famine out there because, because people have no idea how to find joy. They have no idea how to find hope. So they're, so they're putting their lives at danger. They're putting other people's lives at danger. And here we are with all this feast. We got all this joy. We got Jesus. We got the good news. We have mercy. We have grace. And, and let's be honest, man. We can't keep this to ourselves. In fact, we don't just share with people we love. We share with those that marginalize us. What? We share it with all people. Which people? All of them. The ones that don't believe like us. 
The ones that don't vote like us. The ones that don't behave like us. Wait, how would you say that? Why would you say that? Because as much as I hate is what they're saying, I know for a fact that they've been deceived. And that's the only reason why they're believing while they're believing and behaving while they're behaving. And here I am. I'm not starving. I have food. I got abundance. I have a feast. And they're in a famine. And they don't even know it. But here's what I know. it That, that famine that they're in, it is going to lead to death. But what I'm in right now, oh, I got the bread of life. I got, I got a water that allows me to never be thirsty again. And his name is Jesus. And he says, come to me with your weary. Come to me with your burden. Come to me come to me with your frustrations and I'll work it all out it's a process called sanctification as we as we work it all out even when you don't believe fully just come to me and we'll get there together and I'll show you thank you so much for listening to this message if you enjoyed it please check out our other episodes if you would like to connect with Eternity Church be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch we'll see you next week Love you heaps.